You're listening to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church Podcast. To learn more about Northwest, including our gathering time, visit us at nwcbc.org. Today's speaker will be Pastor Terry Wong. You know, as you're growing up, you will be confronted one day with two questions. Let's look at these two questions. Why am I here? Why do I exist? And the answers to those questions depend on your worldview. And there's three major worldviews that I, I understand to exist. And if you're an evolutionist, let's go to our first one. If you're an atheist or evolutionist, simply your worldview is that you are an accident. You know, there's a primordial soup of chemicals and organisms in the water and, and uh, lightning might have hit it or something happened to it. It charged it to started these uh, chem- chemicals and elements to form into a simple organism. Over time, those organisms evolved to a more complex living organism, including you and me. And if you believe that, that you are uh, an accident, there is no right or wrong in your life. If you believe that, you have no morality because there's no reason for your existence. On the other hand, there's, a, there's this other worldview called deism. Deism is a belief that an impersonal God created the universe, but he really doesn't want to know you. He doesn't want to relate with you. He doesn't want a relationship with you. He just made you, and he lets you do your thing. You're kind of like an ant farm. You know, he just once in a while he peeks down to see how you are doing. But God doesn't care, and so why should we? You see how it affects your worldview? If you're an accident, there's no right or wrong. If you believe God made you and then left you alone, well, why should I care about anything? The third worldview is this. This is a biblical Judeo-Christian view, and that teaches that God made us for a plan and purpose. He loves us, and he wants us to love him. He wants to be involved in our daily lives. He wants to, you to know him, and he wants to know you. And so we're continuing our sermon series. Uh, here are the four topics we're studying. How to experience God's presence. How to experience God's purpose, which is today's message. How to experience God's power. How to experience God's peace. We need to know these things so that we can truly live that great and wonderful life. Last week we talked about how to experience the presence of God. Today let's talk about how to experience God's purpose in your life. The way you draw closer to God is by experiencing more of his presence and purpose. When we accomplish God's purpose in our lives, we draw closer to God and we experience his power and his peace. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. This verse explains it all. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. God made you in advance. God created you in advance. God made you with a plan in mind. God has a purpose for your life, a purpose for you specifically. And God wants you to accomplish that purpose. The Bible says that life without God makes no sense. And that's why the world is so confused today because they don't have God, and so life does not make any sense. So pull out your sermon outline and look at our first point. God's purpose gives meaning to your life or to my life. God's purpose 
gives meaning to life. I know that God made me. Not only was I created by God, I was loved by God. God made me out of love. And he wants me to love him back and have a loving relationship with him. And even though I have sinned against God, God forgave me. He saved me because of love. And so my purpose is wrapped around God's love. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we were made with love. And that means we will never be happy until we experience God's love in our lives. This is your primary purpose to love God completely and love your neighbor sincerely, to love and be loved. See, God's purpose gives me direction. I know where I'm supposed to go because God's word guides me. Today, people are just wandering through life, trying to find their purpose, trying to find a plan for their life, and nothing makes sense because they don't have God. And many people end up with no reason for living. So let's go to our third, second thought, which is this. Without God's purpose, you become dysfunctional. What does dysfunctional mean? Not operating normally or properly. You don't work the way you're supposed to work. You know, if you buy a, a CD and a music CD, that's even old now, right? At least I didn't say album. If you buy a CD and you play it and it skips, it doesn't work properly, it's dysfunctional. Dysfunctional things eventually will break. Human beings are dysfunctional. We become dysfunctional because of sin in our lives. We don't work the way God designed us to work. And so today, the world is full of hate, sadness, confusion, anger. Countries are, are threatening war. You know, there's a massive buildup of military on the Ukraine, Ukraine border uh, with Russia. You know, China's building its gigantic fleets. You know, we're at a, a tension is filling our hearts. We're angry with each other. And because of it, suicides are up. Mass shootings are up. People are divided and at each other's throats. You just watch politics for a little while and nobody is happy. I was talking with the contractors who are doing work on our sanctuary, and we were talking about how messed up the world is, and, and one of them asked me, why do you think that is? And I'm like, you really want a sermon? <laughs> Let me get up on the stage, that big stage, and I'll preach to you. The answer is simple. We have removed God from our lives. Out of the schools, out of the, uh, our families, out of government, we have removed God of our lives, and because of it, we're, we're lost. We don't know what to do. If God is not in your life, we will do what we want. When we have no purpose, we don't even know what is right or wrong. I mean, if you look at the news today, criminals are the good guys. Cops are the bad guys. Okay, that's really messed up. I'm just sorry. I understand there's problems and, and challenges with police action, but please, it's just, it's just sad. Sinful behavior has been accepted and legalized, and as a result, go to this slide, as a result, there is a God-sized hole in every soul today. Whether you're in the United States of America or in China, there's a big empty hole that only God can fill. Now, we are trying to fill it with everything we can except God, with technology, maybe we'll fill it with profit or family, 
uh, passions or pleasures. We try to fill it with everything but God. We don't need God. We're technologically advanced. And then when that doesn't help, when it doesn't fill the hole, when you start hurting more, we try to cover up that aching pain because we don't have God with sex, drugs, and alcohol. And then when that doesn't work, we become angry or we become bitter. We become depressed. Why are so many famous people wanting to commit suicide? Why is suicide so prevalent today? Someone asked, shared a prayer request this week about uh, Phoenix Children's Hospital. Their mental ward is filled with kids who are troubled and hurting because this pandemic is scaring them. Pride keeps us from letting God fill our soul. That's just a simple reason right there. The reason you have that hole in your soul is because of sin, and God sent Jesus to die on the cross, uh, on the cross for your sin and rise from the dead. He wants to fill that hole with his love. The only reason you don't let him fill it is pride. Is your life empty? You know everything you've done so far has not satisfied you. Do you know that something is missing inside you? Our next thought is this. You are God's masterpiece. Isn't that amazing? You are God's masterpiece. When he made you, when he planned you, he made you a masterpiece, a work of art, a one of a kind. We see that in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. This passage is a salvation verse. It tells us how to how to be saved, but it also tells us why we were saved. And discovering your purpose is really discovering why God saved you. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by work, so that no one can boast. God's grace saves you. By faith we accept that gift. Verse 10, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. There's that word, he prepared you in advance to do his work. Even though you weren't saved and you were sinners, God prepared a salvation plan for you. And then he has good works for you to do. Now, what's interesting, the word workmanship, you know, have you, you think of workmanship, handcraft. Uh, I used to do woodworking. I used my hands to craft things. I made things with my hands. If you're a painter, you paint things with your hand. The Greek word translated workmanship is poinia. Uh, poinia is where we get the word poem, because a poem is a work of art. It means that which is made a manufactured product. So God made you in advance. He planned that you would do good work. So that means salvation is not the end, it is the beginning. For those of you who accepted Christ because you want to go to heaven like I did when I was 12, yes, we're saved, but that's the beginning point. Now, as God's new creation, we discover our purpose, that our purpose is to do God's good work. And God has good work that only you can do. You individually can do. He did this in advance. Do you imagine what it means, a workmanship? You have to put some thought into it. You have to put some energy into it. You have to uh, have an idea of what you want to use it for. If you come to my house, our house, you see that there's pieces of furniture made out of pine. I made all those. I made them. I, I designed them. I created them. I did the work. God made you. You are a masterpiece, a work of art. Never think that God made junk. God did not make junk. He made you with love. And let's look at uh, Philippians 2.12. Therefore, my dear friends, 
as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but, not much, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. We see that word again. God wants to work in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So it says, work out your salvation. What does that even mean? Work out your salvation. It doesn't mean you work for your salvation. It means you work to discover why you were saved. And you do it with fear and trembling because you're approaching God and you know God has something for you to do. He has his will and purpose in mind. And as we walk with Jesus, as we worship the Lord, as we read our Bibles and pray, as we serve one another with love, we begin to discover why God saved me. What is that good that work that God has for me, what does it really look like? And so let's uh, answer this question. How do we discover God's purpose for my life? Uh, the answer is number four. God's word reveals God's purpose. What is God's will for my life? What is God's purpose for my life? Just look in the Bible. God gave us this big book, and if we read it, we discover at least 95, 98% of what we are supposed to do while we're living on this planet, what we're supposed to do as believers. You just look at the 45 one another verses. Love one another, forgive one another, encourage one another, build each other up. That simply tells us our purpose. We go through life loving, forgiving, building, encouraging one another. These are God's general purpose for every single one of us. So if you want to know God's purpose, 95% of it is in God's word. Uh, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light for my path. Sometimes you just need to turn on the, the light of God's word in your life. Uh, we open the Bible. We start reading it. We start meditating it. We pray scripture. Uh, we pray the promises of God. And we let God shine his light into our soul. God starts shining and illuminating the possibilities. We read how God forgave someone, and man, could I do that? We read how Daniel, or David, did not take the life of Saul, even though he could have. He showed him mercy. Can I do that? Is God speaking to me through these scriptures? God's word lights the dark pathways that we did not see before the possibilities of which way we can go. You know, I learned a long time ago that God's word has the answers. As a pastor, I've learned even more so that God word, God's word has the answer. I just need to take the time to read it, meditate on it, grasp its meaning and application. So if you're here today, you want to seek God's purpose, you're not reading God's word, I can't help you, okay? We have to at least be reading God's word. God's not going to give you more of his wisdom if you're not seeking it right now in his word. God's word has all the answers. How many of you have a testimony? How many of you are ready right now to share your personal testimony if you had to. Anybody? Some of you? Good. I have five testimonies. I don't just have one. And if someone comes up to me and, asks, and says, well, I'm an atheist or agnostic, I have a testimony just for them because I have five different testimonies to share depending on the circumstance. So if someone says, you know, I, I told a, a guy once, well, I'm a pastor. He goes, well, I'm an atheist. And so we started talking and I share my testimony. My testimony is this. I grew up in a church, and I have always followed Jesus. I was a church kid, you know. We went to church when we were little and grew up 
We followed Jesus. But when I went to college, I was exposed to new philosophies I had never even thought about. My first professor, my research professor, stood up in class and he says, I am an atheist. I don't believe in God. And I'm like, really? <laughs> There's people like that? Then my biology professor stood up and he said, I am an agnostic. I don't know what to believe. See, those are the two first two worldviews, right? The evolutionists and the, and the deism, they don't know what God wants because God doesn't tell us. And like, wow. I mean, I, it kind of shook my faith a little bit. It kind of shook me around about Jesus. I didn't know there's so many other beliefs. And then another professor stood up, and he asked these three questions. Look at these three questions. Where do you come from? Why are you here? Where are you going? We need answers to these questions. God's word answers every single one of these questions. You're, you're talking to someone, they're confused about their life or why they're here. You ask them these three questions, then you explain how God's word answers these questions. Where do I come from? I come from God. He created me out of love. Why am I here to fulfill God's purpose for my life? Where am I going? I am going to go to heaven and live with God for all eternity. And then you ask that person if they feel confident about their own direction in life. So God's word reveals 95% of God's will for you. So the question is, how do you figure out that last 5% or 2%? And let's uh, talk about that now. When you discover, you discover your purpose when you say yes to God. You want to know that individual specific will in your life that God wants you to have. You discover your purpose when you say yes to God. God is not going to reveal his special purpose for your life until you're ready to say yes, God. Whatever it is, God, yes, I will do it. God, I'm ready to obey. God, you show me where to go and I will go today. What happens is many of us, we want to know God's purpose, but we're not ready to say yes. We want to take a peek, you know, <laughs> take a peek and, and, well, maybe we'll say yes, but if it's something I don't really want to do, I won't say yes. So guess what? If you're not seeking God with all your heart, if you're not ready to say yes, you will not discover God's purpose for your life. You have to be say, ready to say yes, God, right now. God, use me as a vessel of hope and healing. You know, lately, uh, I've been home more because I stay home one day during the week and come in the office twice a week since I'm living farther away. And my, my lovely wife, every day in the morning, she asks me, what are you doing today? What are you doing today? And normally, I answer church work, book work, housework. One of those things, you know, work on a sermon, work on a Bible study, pay bills or you know, get ready for some sort of uh, taxes, or go clean the garage. You know, just really fun stuff like that. One day I will answer, I just want to sit in my lazy boy and be lazy. The term lazy boy defines me clearly. That is what I want. I want to be a lazy boy and sit in my lazy boy. When I retire, I'm going to be a full-time lazy boy. But I know God did not make me for that purpose. And I know I'm wired to set goals and to accomplish things for God. I find meaning in my life when I discover God's purpose, when I discover that specific will for my life, and I pursue it. I obey it. I engage it. And then I enjoy it. 
So here's three ways, three just simple, there's all sorts of ways God reveals his specific purpose. But here are three general ways that you can keep your eyes open for. First one, you discover your purpose in God's calling. God calls you. Proverbs 16, 9, in his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. God has determined a plan and purpose for your life. So if we are in God's presence, we're experiencing the presence of God, we're walking with Lord Jesus Christ, we're listening to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, God will call you to a specific task. Now, God called me clearly to be a pastor. I said yes. When I was sure that he was calling me, I said yes, I am a pastor today. This was God's purpose for my life. I discover my purpose when I say yes to God's calling. Is God calling you to serve in a specific ministry? Is he calling you <clears throat> for a specific work or to do a specific task? You know, maybe he sends someone to call you. Maybe he, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe he sends a ministry leader to talk to you. Maybe he sends me, your pastor, to ask you to uh, do this. Will you start a small group? I've asked a couple of people to start small groups, and they said yes. And they're doing small groups, and they're uh, serving the Lord. Um, I ask people, maybe it's God's will for you to join a small group. And I've asked 30-plus people to join a small group, and, you know, most of them joined. We hear God's calling. Maybe God's saying, I want you to go into ministry. Maybe I want you to go on a mission trip. What is the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart wanting you to do? You hear his voice, and you know he's talking to you. You say, yes, God. Show me how. What do I need to do? If someone comes up to you, a ministry leader or myself, and we invite you to participate, guess what? That's because God told us to call you. So that's God's calling. God's going to call you to big things, you know, some big things. God's going to call you to a bunch of little things. You know, God's going to call you. Your purpose is to go forgive, you know, your spouse or go forgive your child. Your purpose is go to encourage someone and, and help them get a job. You know, all sorts of little things. And as we say yes in those little things, the big things will come. All you have to do is say yes, God. I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to put my heart into it. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to trust you, God, that you put me here and you put your effort into it. Remember, if you are lazy, disobedient, and an ignorant believer, it's hard to hear God's calling. Okay, it's just almost impossible. But if you're in the presence of God, if the Holy Spirit is indwelling you and controlling you and guiding you, if you're walking in obedience to the Lord's word and his work, you will hear God's voice speaking to you. Every time you say no to God, your heart gets harder. Every time you say yes to God, the possibilities are endless. The second way we discover our purpose is in your compassion. When God moves your heart with compassion. Matthew 9, 36. <clears throat> when he saw the crowds, he had compassion. Jesus saw the crowds. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, a harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into his harvest field. Jesus saw people who were harassed, harassed by Satan and life's problems. They were helpless to do anything about it. He saw them, and his heart was moved with compassion. He went and helped them. He helped them. Jesus wants to be filled with that same compassion. We see people, and we go 
and help them. Maybe it's someone you know who's hurting because they, they lost a loved one or they lost a job. He wants you to go and show them compassion. That is your purpose. Maybe you see someone who's lost their job and he wants you to, you know, help them get a job, to look over the resume, to help them. I found people jobs on Craigslist, you know, sitting with me at a desk just because they didn't have a computer. God wants you to move. He wants you to see with Jesus' eyes the same compassion, the helpless, the hopeless, those who are harassed. He wants you to help them. You see someone who's hurting or who's lost or confused, invite them to lunch. Share, start a conversation, invite them to come and worship with us. I think God sends a lot of people to us this way. I think the Indian missions that we do is because people saw the people in need and had compassion. You know, God touches a lot this way. But you have to be ready to say, yes, God, I see that person. I want to help them. I see them. I will help them in Jesus' name. It may take me some time or it might cost me something, but I want to help them. If you say no to Jesus, your heart gets harder and harder. You say yes to Jesus, your love flows greater and greater. The third way we discover our purpose, we discover our purpose in your trials and troubles. This is a little different, okay? Not God's calling, not God moving, but let's say you went through a difficult time. You went through a dark valley, a hard time. God wants to bring good out of your difficult problems. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You know, why do we struggle? Why do we have health problems or financial problems? Why do people hurt each other? Because of sin in this world. So we'll walk through those dark valleys. Have you walked through a dark valley recently? Maybe it's physical, you know, maybe it's medical. I, I've had two cancer surgeries now. Maybe it's financial, maybe it's emotional or relational. You broke up, you lost someone. Did it hurt? Is it still hurting? Guess what? God does not want you to waste that hurt. God wants you to bring good out of your bad experience. Maybe your faith was tested, and as it was tested, it was also strengthened. Maybe God wants you to use what you learn as a new ministry to help others go through the same thing you are going through. God wants to give you a new purpose. Uh, here at Northwest, we have a grief ministry, and our grief ministry comes from a time that Eve Z, Eve Z came from, uh, went through with her husband, Michael. And so I'm going to ask Eve to come up and share how she discovered her new purpose from her difficult situation. Come on up, Eve. Hi, everyone. Um, first of all, I want to um, wish all the mothers out there that happy Mother's Day. And uh, I will try to keep this short. Hi, my name is Eve Z. Pastor Terry has asked me uh, to share my experience of the God's purpose today. Um, my late husband, Michael, was diagnosed with multiple myeloma, uh, a bone marrow cancer, at age 50. He fought for 10 years. It was very difficult and stressful 10 years. When Michael was sick, we were also in a financial stressing for many reasons. Um, then the new health care system kicked in. 
the Mayo Clinic stopped accepting individual health insurance. Besides running our business, I had to go work for a company that um, gets a new health insurance except by mail. So I would, uh, I would work starting at 4.30 a.m. until 1.30 p.m., just in time to take Michael for his uh, treatments and transfusions. By then, um, we were going to hospital three to four times a week. Times were hard, but we, were, but we uh, fought with Michael every step away. When our Lord was ready for Michael, I was working. My son David and Gary were the ones who brought Michael to the hospital. I still remember how hard it was to tell the doctor when we, were, when we make our decision to let him go. And then after all that, we still have to grieve. Grieving can be very, very hard. You hear about the stages that you will go through but knowing them does not mean that you can't just go through it. It's different for everyone because we lose our loved one in many different ways. Um, some are able to get to find their ways and some get stuck. Some people can still grieve like their loved, they, um, their loved one just passed yesterday even after 10 years. Other feels like they're going crazy. Friends will try to be there for you but they won't always know what to say or how to act or um, behave around you. Everyone has their own life, and while everybody's back to their normal life, yours will never be the same. I went through depression, anxiety, sleepless night, anger, and the sadness that not a word can express. And past all that, there's still a hole in your heart. And during one of my uh, grieving sessions, I learned that only God can fill that hole. Two years after Michael's passing, one of my church sisters came up to me. She was in the same place as me. Her husband has passed within the two weeks of Michael's passing. She came to me and told me that she was having a tough time. So I invited her out. This got us talking. Why doesn't our church have a grieving group? I prayed about it. Then I understood why God has put me through these difficult times. It was to give me a new purpose in my life. This urged me to talk to both Pastor Terry and Stephen. I won't lie, I was scared at first, but God was there with me. And with the help of my brother and sister in Christ, we start our grieving group. Because of my experience, I can truly understand what those are grieving are going through. A lot of times, people will say things like, I understand what you're going through, or how I understand how you feel. Well, now when I tell my brother and sister in Christ that I understand what they are going through, I truly do. Through our sessions, we learned that even through our surroundings, situation change, our Lord is still the same, loving, graceful God. After each session, I can see the growth from those on the road to recovery. It is so heartwarming. I feel so blessed to be able to help those going through what I have been through and to share their sadness and help and happiness. Believe it or not, we actually laugh a lot in our group. I will end with the province 1921. Many have plans in, their, in the person's heart, but it is God's purpose prevails. Thank you so much.
Thank you, Eve. Uh, Eve, you know, for uh, many of us watched her take care of her husband for 10 years, long time. It was hard. It was difficult. But it was uh, wonderful to see a godly woman and godly man go through their difficult times together. It's wonderful to see all those that have joined her grief ministry and are encouraging each other. God wants to bring good out of your bad. So how is God calling you? Is he just calling you out front? Is he moving your heart? Is he working in your circumstances and your experiences? God calls. Are you ready to say yes? Our final point is this. God has something good in store for you. God, when he calls you to his purpose, he has good in store for you. The world thinks that if God calls you, it must not be fun. You know, it must be something boring, something difficult. I have to give up something. No, God knows what makes you tick. He knows what makes you thrive. He wants to be good uh, out of your bad. He has good in store for you when he calls you. You know, we're celebrating Mother's Day. Uh, next month is Father's Day. And I know as a, as a father, you know, it, nothing pleases me more when my children want to please me. Isn't that right? You don't really want flowers. You don't want candy and stuff like that. You want children who want to please you. And that's how God is. God wants us to please him. He wants to go through life and um, do things that glorify his name and obey his will. That's where we get the greatest satisfaction and joy from when we make God happy. We are designed to receive the greatest amount of joy and satisfaction we seek to please God every day. <clears throat> Matthew 25, 21. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. God's purpose is designed to bring the best out of you. It's good for your soul. It's not intended to be a burden or a negative experience. God wants you to experience his happiness. Man, what is the happiness of God? Don't you want to know it? Don't you want to experience it? The greatest joy, the greatest satisfaction and contentment come when we accomplish God's purpose in our lives. Uh, let's look at this uh, thought here. Know God's will, obey God's will, enjoy God's will. If you're not enjoying God's will, if you're not being blessed in a rich, deep way, you're not doing it right, okay? You're doing it begrudgingly, you're not happy or something. You just need to know God's will. You need to obey God's will. You need to enjoy God's will. It is as simple as that. You're having struggles, you're not sure what to do, what's going on. Let's talk. Let's talk to one of the pastors here, one of the leaders. The question once again is, are you ready to say yes to Jesus? Discovering your purpose in life is when you choose to trust in Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Jesus is saying, behold, I stand at the door of your heart. I'm knocking. I want to come into your life. Will you say yes? Will you let me in? God wants to give you a better life and a better future. If you're here today, you have not trusted in Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Say yes, Lord Jesus. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. I will follow you. Maybe your Christian life is a drag. It's a bore. Maybe you need to get right with God. You need to change your attitude. You need to conform to the image of Christ. You need to tell Jesus, I am ready. I've sinned against you, Father. I've ignored you. I've ignored your word. I ignored your calling. I ignored your compassion. I ignored using my experiences for your glory. I am ready to say, yes, Jesus. I will know your will. I will obey your will. I will enjoy and thrive 
in your will. Let's pray. Father, how we thank you that you, you love us and you blessed us. You created us out of love. You want your love to flow through us, but we know we've sinned against you, Father. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We know, Father, that Jesus died for me and rose from the dead to give me eternal life. You love me so much. I pray, Father, there's someone here listening online or listening to this recording or here today that has not trusted you as your Savior and Lord, that they'll say, yes, Lord Jesus, I accept you as my Savior and Lord. Father, is my brother or sister, is their life stuck? Is it a drag or, or boring and not interesting? Father, I, say that, I pray that they say yes to you. Yes, Lord Jesus, I've sinned. I've, I've gotten lazy. I've gotten ignorant. But Lord Jesus, I want to serve you. I want to know your will, obey your will, and enjoy your will. Father, move in us. Let the Holy Spirit flow through us. Uh, consume us with your love, your word, our prayers, our worship, that we may know you and love you. We just thank you, Lord, that we could be here today. That is our purpose, to worship you today and glorify your name. Again, Father, we thank you for our mothers. Uh, what a blessing they are. We glorify and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand as we sing our closing song. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to follow us on Spotify and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream your podcast. To listen to the other sermons and watch our live gatherings, visit us online at nwcbc.org. We look forward to see the difference God will make in your life. Thank you for listening to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church Podcast.